fiddle as a fiddle, ready for love. I can jump over the moon up above. There's a fiddle and ready for love. Welcome to We Talk About Dead People, a show where we usually talk about dead people, but we're not going to be talking about dead people very much today. I am Aaron C., your host, and I'm here with my protege. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm here with my buddy, Ben, who's a big media man, and we were talking on the phone the other day, and it was such an interesting conversation. I was like, this. I asked him, I was like, hey, you want to come on the podcast and we can talk about this for all the peeps to hear? And he was like... I mean, if if you'll <laughs> don't force me, bro. <laughs> so I was like, "Yeah, man, you got to get on here." Um, ben, Ben, and I kind of go not way back, but sort of back, a little back, yeah, half back, yeah. Um, you used to be in my class, right? I did. Yeah, I was in editing class with you, and you were my TA. Yeah, your favorite TA. Oh, easily. <laughs> That was a long time ago, but things have changed since then. I think uh, Ben's more sitting in the driver's seat now than I am. I'm just sort of bumbling along trying to get things done, and he's over here just starting this. Well, he started uh, He started doing living the dream that I think a lot of small-time media guys want to live. Um, he's the a co-owner at Steel Pixel Studios, which is, I mean, what is it that you guys do aside from, like, everything? Yeah, so we are a multimedia production studio that specializes in modern marketing, whether that be social media account management and all social media trends and stuff like that, or um, websites, Web3 stuff, pretty much anything you can think of. Yeah, and it sounds, I mean, when you say it like that, it almost sounds like a little boring, but it's not. Yeah, it's, it's, it, is, it is anything but um, on a day-to-day basis, I can do anything from live event coverage to full-on podcast production, editing, recording, hosting. Uh, I host a few shows myself, and um, yeah, we, we have a good time. I think you mentioned something about, uh, about uh, some certain substances being used in the studio with Within legal boundaries. Uh, I'm just- oh my gosh. Yeah, we have a we have a show that's a hoot. It's called Hi There with Dylan and Allie, uh, formerly known as Hi There with Dylan and Friends. And um, they both have their medical cards and they get very, very high in the studio. <laughs> and uh, we, as the sound engineers, try our best to mess with them and trip them up, whether that be... Uh, they're talking about zombies and randomly we call Cabela's or Bass Pro Shops, get them on the phone and pipe them right into their ears and have them talk all about the, <laughs> the stuff that they're looking for to survive the zombie apocalypse. Um, sometimes it's sending people in with very smelly food like a plate of steamed broccoli and uh, sitting there and eating it directly into the not used microphone um, until they can't take it and their ears feel like they're going to explode. Or uh, playing <laughs> playing something like a like a freestyle beat, which Dylan raps to about a certain random subject that we designate every single episode, um, and they are they are quite funny. Um, example of that one, which always makes me laugh. And I think it's the second or third episode. Uh, they were talking, and Dylan's like, "Oh yeah, I've never seen the movie Wall-E." And I'm like, "Well, there we go." I'm like, "All right, I'm I'm gonna drop a beat. I need you to freestyle what you think the plot of Wall-E is." <laughs> <laughs> he got it absurdly wrong, uh, but it was it was really funny, and his flows are not bad. <laughs> 
Well, that's good, right? So, I mean, the reason I bring that one up specifically, not only is it hilarious, yeah. but I think it just demonstrates a little bit of the variety of what, what you do out there. Now, you're a studio. Oh, yeah. And you rent out your space to other podcasters. Is that correct? Uh, yeah, that is. Yeah, we, we rent out our space to a lot of other creatives, whether that be voiceover artists, podcasters, photographers, and videographers, because um, we have not only a podcast studio, but also a photo video studio and a small co-working space that people can do project planning and have Wi-Fi to use it and a desk to sit at. And you may be wondering why I don't use this service. It's because I don't live in Pennsylvania. <laughs> yeah, we'll get you here eventually. Yeah, someday I'll end up there, <laughs> out there in that perfect, beautiful state, and uh, <sighs> then the madness can really proceed, but <laughs> yeah, like I said, so Ben was one of my favorite students, to say the least. Uh, we got along really well, and since it was the first time I was ever teaching, it was great to have somebody there for it, you know, somebody who was motivated and energetic and interested in producing interesting stuff for the class. Oh, yeah. But, uh, you know, because nothing, nothing hurt more than when a student didn't really want to be there, and then it's like, eh, well, eh. I don't know how I can make this more fun than, you know, having you cut together movie trailers and... Oh man, you know. gun smoke, gun <laughs> together, gun smoke. Yeah. Were you there for the one where I put in the cartoon sound effects? I think so. Oh man. I think so. And uh, Adam Carlson did the entire scene to X Gun Give It To You. <laughs> <laughs> Which is just amazing. For context. I don't think you passed that, but. Uh... <laughs> for context. We all had to edit a, the same scene from Gunsmoke and make it like really good, but some people chose to make it really funny. Um, oh yeah. Oh, it was a blast. Yeah, it was. It really was. I edited. Yeah, I think I edited that scene the, at least five, six times. <laughs> I loved it. <laughs> and the extra credit at the end of the semester to go watch Birdemic and the uh, and the Dungeons and Dragons movie. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot about that. Oh, that was amazing. Yeah, probably. Nothing like being in. Yeah, nothing like being in film school and watching the worst movies ever made. I know. There's stuff you can learn from the bad <laughs> stuff, from the really bad stuff. Uh, oh, for sure. And that's. I think that's probably why I did the extra credit. It sounds like a joke, but I probably legitimately saw something in those movies at the time that was like, you can learn from this student. <laughs> hey, I mean, both were made pretty much as underground productions, which is a really big predictor of where we're going today. Yeah, actually, and we'll we'll get to talking about that um later on. I think that's going to be the broader part of our conversation, the current media totally. market and how it looks, um how you can get into it if you want. Um but yeah, I haven't seen Ben in person since I was in Austin, which was Yeah. You were there for a film festival, we cruised around yeah. a little bit. Yeah, we we got coffee at Oh, what was the name of it? Uh, amp amplified coffee, something like that. Amp, I don't remember. Oh, is it radio? A, was it radio? R yeah, that's yeah, it. Yeah, that place rocked. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, that was fun. But yeah, down there for Austin Film Festival. But it's been a while since I've since I've seen Ben and the, this. This aside from that one brief encounter, uh, last time I saw you was when the summer was coming and everybody was going out and you and the you and the the team wanted to take me to dinner or lunch or something yeah and it was awesome i i never felt more honored in my life than when a bunch of my students were like hey let's let's go get some dinner but then ben gave me something that i still have <laughs> he gives me this little black box and i open it up and inside is a bunch of marbles and he says one thing he just says don't lose your marbles 
<laughs> so I took the box, I stuck it in my console, and it's still there to this day. And that was years oh my ago. Gosh. Um, it's ridiculous. Every time someone gets in my car, they're like, what are these? I'm like, it's a long story. <laughs> Did I ever tell you what I had to do with the lid of that box? No, you didn't. Oh, dude. So it, there, it's half a box now. Um, I came out to my car after, I, I can't remember where, why I was up here, but it was winter and I had been in Texas and my windshield was iced over and I didn't have a scraper. Oh my god. So gosh. I had to take the lid off the box <laughs> and try to scrape my windshield with it. Oh, that's amazing. It actually worked well enough to get me going, but <laughs> it's gone now. <laughs> so yeah. I'm, oh, that's too good. Ben's been listening to the show, I believe. Did you listen to the you listened to the uh Peshtigo episode? I did, yeah. Yeah, when you felt like it was pr- pretty pretty good, yeah. Yeah, I I loved it. Super informative. I loved uh, who you brought on. Um, yeah, that was super fun. That was Wendy, right? Yeah, yeah, she was awesome. Yeah, Wendy. I sent her. Wendy a, did great. Sent her a big old donation. Um, nice. We're gonna try to do more of those local history and stuff. That's part of why I suggested doing this. Was uh, you know, yeah, I like talking to people, and we talk about dead people. Is it's an off the wall kind of show. We can break ranks and do some different stuff now and then, but. I wanted to bring Ben on specifically because he was very inspirational. <laughs> like I said, we were talking, um, you know, not, not, all, not all that long ago, maybe last week. And uh, I was just amazed by uh, his attitude toward the uh, media industry today and uh, his sort of scrappiness when it comes to figuring out how to work for oneself and be free of the... Uh, the corporate slave system. <laughs> so, Ben, why don't you just tell us a little bit of your story, what you're doing, and what's really driving you, and then maybe we can get into your technique for success, but also we can yeah. have a broader discussion about the modern world and media. Sounds good. Yeah, so I, as a co-owner of Steel Pixel Studios, um, have a pretty varied day-to-day. Um, usually the front half of the week I tend to pack with meetings and on-set stuff, and the back half of the week I spend mostly doing editing work and computer, clerical, administrative stuff, whether that be invoicing, responding to emails, which can get to be a bit much and pretty boring. Um, but in addition to that, I do a lot of podcast editing and video editing during that time. Um, But the front half of the week, when we're doing things like uh, recording most of our podcasts and our on-set stuff, or product photography and videography, shooting houses for real estate, um, we do a lot, um, but those are super fun. And um, one of my favorite things that I do on a week-to-week basis is Steel Pixel runs a show called the Lehigh Valley Arts Podcast. And um, we bring a different local artist on every single week and talk with them about their work, about their process, about their inspiration and what what drives them to continue going as an artist. Um, We have a huge, huge praise for local culture and having these incredibly talented artists um, feel comfortable in staying where they are here in Pennsylvania and continuing to operate as an artist here, uh, bringing that to the local culture and celebrating that in everything that it's worth. So, um, yeah, that led to us also opening an art gallery here at the studio. Um, and 
has just spiraled into a ton of different super fun projects that I live for. I, I love it. I can't get enough of it. Um, and I couldn't have done it uh, without Tim, the other co-owner, Jacoby, one of our other co-owners, uh, Raya, who's a fourth co-owner, and then my wife, Elizabeth, who also co-hosts the Arts Podcast with me, and our good friend, Elise Schaefer, who um, is our gallery coordinator and secondary co-host for the Arts Podcast. Well, to to I think the, the branch that we got from discussing this and um, yeah. it was how local media is going to make a comeback. Totally. Especially emphasizing, like, local culture, because... I, I don't know about you, dude, but I'm bored of L.A. and New York. Oh, my gosh. I I wouldn't necessarily say that I'm bored of it, but I have no interest in the incredible amount of bureaucracy and lack of freedom. Care to explain more on that? Um, traditional studio systems, while I love what they did with, with unionization and trying to get equal workplaces for as many people as they can has just become a place where chances are not often taken. And I like media that pushes the boundaries, stuff that's a bit more experimental. Um, and independent cinema um, is initially what got me interested in the local culture, seeing people like Richard Linklater, not necessarily working outside of the studio bounds, but um, kind of making his own lane and really bringing his hometown into the mix. Um, and promoting everything that he wants to with Austin, especially toward the beginning of his career. Um, but then later on, uh, within the last few years, with the help of Netflix and a lot of streaming services, you saw a lot of these directors going out and making movies in their hometowns. Um, a lot of the stuff that came out from Cannes uh, over the last few years is independent cinema that shot where people grew up, lived, and they didn't want to do another huge studio movie. They wanted to go back to their roots. They wanted to talk about what they wanted to talk about. And um, they wanted to, to, to use that atmosphere to, to their advantage and what they knew inside and out. Um, there's, a, there's a very distinct human connection to where people grow up. And um, it's relatable even if you didn't grow up there yourself. And I think I think that that is going to blow up, especially as people start to come out of quarantine. Yeah, and here's another thing. Um, I, I think that stuff that was made during the quarantine phase of whatever this was the last couple of years, I think it has a distinct charm. Don't you like, there's something about it. That's like, you know what? Yeah. Even in this situation, people still got their cameras, got their microphones and made podcasts and movies. And yeah. it's because they had the time to do it and they were home for it. Right. Totally. And I want to, maybe I could ask you this. Do you, I know around here I'm seeing def a definite cultural meme of people going home, like yeah. returning to their roots, whatever that means. Yeah. And I've just seen it at every level of um, of the, of uh, society and different classes and cultures. People are just like, I want to go home. I'm tired of this. This is silly. Um, there was even a meme going on around when I was in Austin that was just like, what, it was something, something look don't look back in anger, just come out of Babylon. And yeah. I, I don't know if you ever saw that, but like that really struck me when I was there. I was like looking at this city falling apart. It had beautiful culture there still, but the again, the bureaucracy and the politics of that city itself mm. is just tearing it apart. Totally. Um, and I definitely had that feeling of like, I need to go home. The, I, this is not mm -hmm. for me anymore. Yeah. I, I had a kind of similar experience. I was in New York for a while 
and absolutely loved my experiences there. Thought it was incredibly formative. But um, I read I read an article that I believe was from the Atlantic, just talking about the importance of local culture and how these larger cultural hubs um, across the world, and especially found in places like capital cities, um, are just drawing all of these people out of these environments that they're no longer exploring all to the same place. Um, and even though they're trying to exchange these new ideas, their placement next to one another is just causing this huge echo chamber. Mm. And um, it's just an eventual lack of creativity and a lack of inspiration. Um, but I think when people go back to where they're from and help boost the culture that they came from, they can instill these more modern ideas into where they're at. Um, a lot of times we talk about how people's hometowns feel 10 years behind in comparison to some of these larger cities. Well, that's not necessarily that place's fault. It's, I mean, without saying it as a negative, it's, it's the fault of those incredibly creative powerhouse thinkers that are leaving those towns specifically go to go to a place that they're surrounded by others like them. Right. Right. Um, but in this technological era, whether it's zoom or social media or even things like playing video games on discord and Xbox live and the PlayStation network. I mean, you can connect with these people, talk with them, have discourse and crazy in depth discussions that we've never really had the chance to do before. Yeah. I mean, you know, okay. You know, I had a phase where I was having crazy discussions. Um, yeah. 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 That was when you sent me that book. Um, I don't know if you want to mention what it was about, but, um, do you want to talk about that first of all? <laughs> um, I'll I'll pass on that. All right, for now. Roger. There's there's a lot of politics that get into that. Yeah, book, so but, I won't talk about yeah. the book specifically. I'll talk about <laughs> the the mind space I was in at that time. Right, I had yeah. just gotten out of Austin. I was back in this you know middle of nowhere Illinois, um, in that horror pocket between Chicago and Milwaukee, where nothing happens and yet everyone's kind of just okay. Mm -hmm. Like people like cities like Kenosha. Right. Um, I was in this phase where like I was at the end of my line. I was like, I have investigated everything. I have read everything I've gone. I've stretched my brain as far as it could go. And even then, I don't think I was even 20%, um, done with this, with this journey of ideas. And yeah. like what you're saying about, um, local stuff i would say like in major cities and stuff they they like to talk about their diversity and stuff like that but what ends up happening in these big melting pots is that people eventually just become just like one another they lose mm -hmm. they lose the value of being different from different places and they just sort of turn into this homogenized mishmash of people who are now essentially corporate robots totally and they all say the same things and they they just like mimic one another and while it's cool to see the first time you're there after a while, you're like, I can tell you, I can tell this person what they're going to say back to me from what I just said before they even say it. Like I can read these people's minds. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Cause I know their talking points. I know what they listen to. I know what they read and it's all the same stuff. Mm -hmm. And I think that is one benefit of going back to your hometown. It does get you back to your roots. It gives you a chance to, to start again and to sort of pare back some of that extra growth you picked up. 
I don't know. Yeah, totally, totally. We talk a lot about that on the arts podcast, how um, we don't think it's necessarily the cultural hub that's as important as much as it is experiencing diversity, experiencing other places, and going out of your way to surround yourself with people that are very different from you, um, and then bringing that back to see how you can learn from that. Um, so I think that a lot of these big cities originally got that. I mean, when they started to explode, this really wasn't possible, but a lot of these people just wanted to exchange ideas, but then they stayed there after they did it, right? Mm-hmm. Um and then started building that culture on their own and started repeating the ideas because they've already heard all of those that they came there to say, and <laughs> they're building off of that. There's nothing new to build on then. Yeah. Yeah. I had a, I had a, I had a long conversation with a friend in the parking lot where I came home from work last night. Yeah. And he really, at the very, the tail end, he start he mentioned that he just really liked France. And Yeah. He said, if there's something about like the coffee shop, you know, sort of vibe, the smoking cigarettes all day, you know, um, he, he, but he, he, what he was trying to express was something like there's time there, right? Like mm-hmm. there's something that cooked over thousands of years in France totally. that you can just sort of plug right into. And I was like, yep. <laughs> yeah. And the new culture that's, that's sort of, I don't know. It's I don't know if you want to call it the the globalist culture, but I think that might be the most accurate word for it. Um, mm-hmm. It's sort of monotone, and it lacks. I mean, it lacks any kind of real human connection. And to hear this dude, you know, talking about this, I was like, man, we're we're thinking of the same things here. And he's like, but it's not here. It's not here. It's in France. And I was like, I know that feeling because even when I was in Waco. Um, there was time there as well. And when I came back here, I was, I felt the same thing. This, this cultural dryness. Um, I think probably around major cities, that is definitely more of a phenomenon now than it was in the past. Hmm. I, I would tend to agree. Yeah. Um, but it's, it's, that's why it was so encouraging for me to talk to you and understand that you were, you know, and hear that you were working on your local culture. Um, yeah, because it was like, oh, my gosh, he's got it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And and I love local art and I think that it really helps bring a ton to lo- local culture. But we do so much more than that. Like we have a we have a show called the Lehigh Valley Food Podcast, which interviews chefs and interviews restaurant owners all from this area about their background, their travels, what made them want to start those restaurants, what made them want to choose which dishes they have. Um, and really celebrates them being here, being local, and having that local mindset. Um, we also have a show called Think Local with James Pepe, which is very early on. We have a lot of episodes banked um, and are still working on a marketing strategy for that. But that show is very similar to the Art and Food podcast, but it talks with business owners, whether that be large corporations that decide to have their headquarters here or smaller businesses that are mom and pop shops or anything of the such. Um, We just love celebrating the people that are here and giving them a platform to talk about what they're doing and how they're doing it. And that's all part of your your business model. (laughs) Yeah. Tell us a little bit more about how you how you think about doing business as a as a partner at Steel Pixel. Hmm. 
Hmm. That's that's a difficult one to uh to have a short answer to. <laughs> um being that there's four partners, we butt heads on things a lot, but it goes into that idea where I work to surround myself with people who think and are totally different from me. Right? If I could come up with an idea, pitch it to a group of friends and everyone loves it, chances are it's not actually a good idea. Hmm. It's not actually the right way to do it. Um, it means that likely what it is is that I'm surrounded with too many people like myself and need to continue pushing myself out there. Um, I learned this in college over and over again. Um, I learned this in the professional workplace where um, where I choose to, to worship, whether that be at church or sitting on my couch during quarantine. <laughs> <laughs> um, but just continuing to put myself in dialogue, conversation, and in the presence of those that are different than me has helped form my business mindset to think about what inclusion really means, uh, think about the best way to go about it, and um, and make the, the, the best decision total for the, for the largest group of people that I possibly can. Or in, uh, in a very targeted marketing approach, the smallest, most specific group of people that I can get my hands on. Yeah, well, I think the conversation that I'd like to have is yeah. uh, specifically the mindset that you have in tackling running your own thing, because we were talking about this a little bit, like I, mm. the, the wage status where you have to go and work for somebody else. It's easy, right? You just yeah. have to show up, yeah. do your job and go home and you collect a paycheck. And a lot of people think like that. They're like, this is what, this is what we do. And mm -hmm. I compare it like my dad's, I love my dad. Um, I would compare him to the workhorse in 1984. Do you ever read that book? No, I haven't. Oh, man. So there's this, um, I'm sorry, not 1984, Animal Farm. <laughs> oh, yes. I've read Animal yeah, Farm. So yeah. Remember the, with Orwell. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So you remember the workhorse yeah. who's like, all he does is he pulls the stones up for the mill and yeah. he just keeps working and he's super dependable and he does his job and he's respected by his community because he's such a hard worker. Mm -hmm. But ultimately the project he's working on is futile, but it doesn't matter to him because the work mm -hmm. is the reward. And the task doing as doing as you know ordered essentially is his way of thinking. That's the way I was raised. Um, I was raised to expect that one day I'm going to go out and I'm going to get a job, and that's going to be the end of that. I'll just work my way up through the company and eventually run the thing um, mm -hmm. if I get lucky, right? Now, personally, I'm too creative, creatively minded for that to ever work super well. Um, yeah. I can do that. For sure, and I get a lot of satisfaction out of doing that. But being self-driven, self-produced, and doing what what you do, um, it's that's a mindset that has been really difficult for me to get into. But I wanna, and I was mm -hmm. I was wondering if there's other people out there who are listening to this who might want to start thinking more like a more like a lord instead of a serf. Yeah, <laughs> how would they begin? Do you think? <laughs> yeah, well, I and my partners took it. At its inception, we knew that we wanted to make original content. We knew that we wanted to make podcasts and films and web series and advertisements and just all this stuff ourselves. So we were thinking about what we would need for that. And there are companies out there that can assist us. But instead of partnering with an already existing um, studio 
or recording studio or anything like that. We were like, we know that there's a need for this and we need it. So let's build one ourselves and then we can use it for our work and then we can rent it out when we're not using it. Right. So we were already like, we don't want to become just tied to other people to make our, our life and our business and our financial freedom work. Right. Um, but then as we were doing that, we're like, well, this studio is now in a space we're renting this space. Um, so it really got us thinking about real estate and it got us thinking about what real estate agents and real estate owners need, especially in the current market. So that drove us to open up a, a, an entirely new branch of the business, working specifically with realtors on marketing their real estate and uh, getting photo and video of all of this stuff, right? So we have uh, New Street Digital Marketing now, which is running all of that, um, which is great. But we saw a need for it. And naturally, we were like, okay, given our current experience and our, our current expertise, we know that we can go into this field and succeed, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and we knew that there was a need for it. And instead of relying on somebody else, we knew that other people were always going to be looking for that. And so we decided to diversify a little bit more, become a little bit more specialized in that, and uh, start this entirely new, new branch that's going to work in that. Um, similarly, we had somebody working with a Web3 based nonprofit come to us and say that they wanted to use marketing, but they were hesitant because we were not a Web3 specific marketing company. Um, so we looked into the certifications and everything that's needed for that. And um, we decided to start another branch dealing specifically with that. So then when asked what our history is and what we're doing, we can say that this is now operating out of a specific web three marketing company, right? Um, and give them that peace of mind there. And knowing that the whole thing is owned and operated by this umbrella that is Steel Pixel Studios, we're, we're finding these needs that are always going to be there and that are very specific. And rather than going to somebody else, um, we're, we're taking the dive in to do it ourselves. And for myself, I don't specialize in a lot of this stuff, but I've met people along the way who are amazing at it. So rather than pretending that I am the end-all be-all, I like to get in conversation with these specialized people, try and get them on our team, and try and get them to work with us so that we can have the strongest team and most knowledgeable team possible. It's kind of like the president of the United States. (laughs) (laughs) You know, the president doesn't know everything, but they've got somebody that specializes in that, and they consult with them, and then they can better make an informed decision while knowing that that's being taken care of. So you're you're like a, a delegator, basically. Yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly. So that's that's thinking in terms of like a lord more than a serf, right? Um, and I I think I yeah. said to you on the phone, uh, you're like an empire builder of some kind. And you told me <laughs> you had this idea for a restaurant or something. Do you want to talk about that at all? Oh my gosh, <laughs> my wife is gonna kill you me. You don't have but, to. Uh, don't do it. <laughs> <laughs> no, I love it. I love it. This this started as a joke forever ago we uh we were coming up with the worst possible restaurants that we could and i said you know what we should open a restaurant called super late it only serves soup and it only serves it from 9 or 10 p.m to 4 in the morning (laughs) and i'm like why why would it succeed nobody wants soup at that time but they want food and nothing else is open 
So being the only place that's open, people are going to buy the freaking soup. <laughs> and soup is cheap. <laughs> and it is cheap. It, I took it further. I'm like, oh, you know, most people probably out of that time have had a few drinks in them. So I'm like, every store should uh, serve all the soup without containers and have at least four stairs to get to the top of the building. <laughs> um, <laughs> just to become the biggest inconvenience possible. Um, as I've, I've thought about this idea more seriously, obviously those furtherments of the joke have gone to the wayside. But in talking with people, they're like, that's funny. I'd legitimately go there. And they're like, add a ramen component to it, and you've got yourself a home run. (laughs) So? So I'm, you know, I'm going to see what happens. Always looking for investors to to partner with uh, for these kind of ideas and and ventures. But, uh, yeah, I'm... Not as not as actively as I wish that I were, but I am always considering spaces and seeing um, if somewhere would work. And, you know, who knows? Maybe a super late will pop up in the next few years. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> it's just one of those things where it's like you have an eye for that could be good there. That could be funny there. That could be effective there. And you're just looking for opportunities. Um, but, you know, this comes at, at the expense of essentially, you know, you get paid by the gig. Is that right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, so the eventual goal is really to, to be more of a, a, I don't want to say consultant, but more of a, more an entrepreneurial mindset where I'm working, um, to make sure that day-to-day operations are going well. Um, not super often for each venture, but really put in, putting in the work at the beginning to get it up and running and then hiring all the people necessary to help it operate and succeed on a day-to-day basis. Um, and then I can sit back and I can continue working on projects, whether that be documentaries, films, web series, um, passion projects, just anything like that that I really want to do while giving myself the financial freedom to know that I helped get something else succeed that's providing me an income. Yeah. Well, it's like, yeah, but that's, that's why I think you're a model of the future a little bit here, because (laughs) as the media, I think, I think the legacy media got, they got used to resting on their laurels Mm. and then they got bored. And I think that's what happens with industries, especially um, creative industries is they figure out a system. They figure out a structure for every movie, for every series, for every series of series they plan mm-hmm. them out and then they just sort of let the machine work and then they wait for the product. Yeah. Um, and at a certain point, you know, you start to get just sort of like uh, one flavor of ice cream out of Hollywood, right? Totally. And totally. I, I've been having conversations with filmmakers around here, um, specifically uh, Dan Lots of Leather Jacket Studios. Um, mm-hmm. And I told him the same thing two years ago. No, it was like three years ago at this point. Uh, we went to lunch at Chick-fil-A. It was awesome. And I sat down in front of him and his partner. I said, you guys are the future. I hope you know that. And they're like, oh, well, you know, we only make movies and this sort of thing. I'm like, no, Hollywood is pretty much tuckered itself out at this point, And everybody's going to be looking for fresh content that doesn't suck. And especially with local flavor. Yeah. Because the the big city, like, I went to New York and I I found a big red dog named Clifford. And everything's in New York or L.A. Um, Everybody, nobody has any definable, like, standards for like how they run their life as far as characters go in these movies um everyone sucks in these movies <laughs> yeah. and uh i was like people don't know it yet but they're looking for you <laughs> <laughs> right i yeah totally 
I, I think a lot of the freedom in my mind when it comes to local culture takes it back to this silly question that was making the rounds years ago, which is, would you rather spend the time finding one person that can give you a couple thousand dollars or ask a couple thousand people for a dollar? Mm. At the local level, chances are if you're making something, you can get a bunch of people to give you a dollar mm -hmm. or a few dollars. Um, but in the studio system, you are making the rounds. You are going out of your way to convince one person to give you the money to make it. Mm -hmm. um, and it's it's a totally different experience, right? We We do rely a lot on things like crowdfunding and things like Patreon to get a lot of our projects off the ground. Um, and I know that a lot of podcasts do that. But people are more willing, right? They know exactly what they want to support and how they want to support it. Mm -hmm. So rather than going to a large studio and, um, you know, paying a subscription service for 95% of the things on there that you don't want, you're putting your money in exactly what you want to see. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, most people on average watch something like, three TV shows at a time over the course of a year um, per season, right? So that's six TV shows a year. People pay for a bunch of different subscription services. A lot of them have one show on each of these services. So you can take that $30 a month that you're paying for 95% of this stuff that you're not going to see, right? And split it across six different independent creators. And um, at the end, you're going to be watching exactly what you want while giving these people way more than they'd ever make on streaming. Exactly. And I yeah. personally, I donate to lots of podcasts. Um, yeah. I, and I don't mean like, Oh, I sent them five bucks. You know, I should do it. I'm like, I subscribe to them. I pay them monthly yeah. because I yeah. believe in what they're doing because nobody else is doing it. Right. Totally. Um, and it's like, even if uh, they up their price a little bit, I'd keep paying it because I believe in what they're doing. Right. And th mm -hmm. that is the model that we've adopted here when we talk about dead people. It's if you support this project as a whole, become a patron. If you're here to buy an episode, we don't we don't want you here. <laughs> um, mm -hmm. We want you to we want. Do you like the project as a whole? Are we headed in the right direction? Okay, five bucks a month. Can you buy us a coffee? Like that kind of thing. And it doesn't yeah. make a ton of money because I don't market the thing like crazy. Um, I prefer I prefer to keep it small right now. Um, mm -hmm. but like. People have no idea how much uh, two bucks, three bucks, four bucks, you know, a month towards something that you like, towards something you'd like to see grow. They have no idea how much they actually Seriously. help, right? Seriously. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, even if you can get to $25 a month, that's now $25 a month that the host and the, the individuals who are making that show no longer have to spend on distribution and, uh, and hosting exactly. services, right? I mean, that's, that's huge. Mm -hmm. And uh, even though it doesn't seem like a lot, it is. Just knowing that the show is slowly becoming self-sufficient is amazing. Yeah, and it's a good confidence booster, and it also lets you know you're on the right track. Um, totally. You know, there's there's another big thing with, with the local mentality, and especially local media, that I'm particularly drawn to as well. Um, and that's the idea of advertising, right? At, at these larger studio and corporate levels, um, you have a very limited number of individuals that can give you money, right? When you're looking at things like NBC and ABC, the people that are paying them for ads 
are likely the same huge companies over and over and over mm-hmm. again. And most of the businesses in the United States are local businesses that don't have the money for anything like that, right? right? And even if they did, it would make no sense for them to try and advertise or support a show like that because 95% of the people watching it are never going to be able to buy something from them. If you are a local restaurant, you have no reason to advertise during the Super Bowl because thousands and hundreds and millions of people are nowhere near you. Right. And they're never going to be near you. Right. Mm-hmm. But if I can run a local food podcast that even gets to five or 600 listeners and I have a show that's based in this area on, I can tell them, Hey, we have 700 captive listeners exactly in the space that you are looking for people mm-hmm. at. Would you be interested in supporting an episode of the show? We'll come in and we'll interview you and, uh, we can make the show happen. Right. Yeah. Um, we are now seeing money at a faster rate, right? CPM advertising, um, if you're familiar with that term, pays per thousand clicks or 10,000 downloads or 10,000 watches, etc. That's awesome. And that's a way that a lot of independent creators on YouTube are making money. From the local level, if you're making locally based content, chances are you're never even going to see that thousand or especially that 10,000 mark. Mm -hmm. Right. But for these people at the local level, especially that are looking to advertise, it it literally doesn't matter (laughs) if you get to 10,000, that's awesome. And they would have way bigger reason to listen to you because you know that, that you, you know, if you have a 10,000 listenership in a local, local town, that's, that's incredible. Yeah. You can almost put up a (laughs) billboard that says, you know, such and such and such podcast, you know, Kenosha's best, you know, local, totally. local food info, that sort of thing. Totally. Um, yeah. I thought for, for a long time about getting a billboard <laughs> where we talk about dead people um, that just <laughs> would sit alongside the highway. I wouldn't care how much it costs to just sit alongside the highway. Just we talk about dead people for your boring commute. <laughs> <laughs> that sort of thing. Like your boring commute to, to Milwaukee. Um, yeah. That sort of thing. And I think, I think yeah. that was one thing that really struck me about the Peshtigo episode was how much local joy it had in it. It was like, hey, you're like totally. visiting this town through the internet and speaking with a person from that town is like, it's like, it's like a museum experience. It, it seriously is. Yeah. And um, I also love how at the local level, there are so many people that specialize in tons of different things, right? You never even know. You may currently have a viewer or a listener that owns a billboard company at a local level and that may be like, I love this show. That idea is amazing. I want to support that and donate it to the show. <laughs> that would be right? amazing. <laughs> like, like I know, I know the guy in the Lehigh Valley that runs the billboards. And if we want to approach him about something like that, he'd cut us a deal. He'd be like, okay, yeah, we can do that. That's awesome. I love this idea, and I love that you're promoting local culture. Mm. I mean, he'd much rather get a couple hundred dollars from us than two, two or three times that from someone like a like a Pepsi or Coke yeah. or something like that. Um, because that's the that, that's the culture that he lives in. That's the one that he sees 
uh, and wants to to improve on a week on a daily on a weekly business and uh, and help the local economy get get up to where it needs to be. Yeah, let's well, get funny you have yeah. a billboard guy. <laughs> yeah, I have a billboard guy. a guy for everything. <laughs> yeah, I just but see that's the thing. This there's this maybe I get into a little more general conversation here. I think that that concept this concept I've been working on for probably a year and a half now is just simple simply called being scrappy. Um, mm-hmm. having a billboard guy, thinking outside the box, but also thinking, how can I generate as much love in this community as possible? As opposed to how can I trick people into clicking my stupid podcast and listening for more than five minutes? Um, totally. And that's the thing I love about what I'm hearing is it does feel like it's share the love. We all want to get a piece of the pie here. Um, how can we best support each other? Also, we're neighbors and friends. <laughs> totally. So totally. Yeah, it's like, but the generalized advertising say on the internet, um, or in a big city or something like that. It's like, you know, every day I drove by a giant billboard of a bottle of vodka in Austin and never once did I buy that vodka. Um, <laughs> and I, and I still remember seeing it and being like, uh, like this is Austin. It's just a giant bottle of vodka. Like it colored the city. Like, Oh, you're going to come here and get plastered. And I'm like, what, what yeah. the hell is, th- is, <laughs> is that the one that is like right off the, right off the highway uh as you're driving in from Waco. yes yeah i know exactly the billboard you're talking about yeah. that's so it's funny. horrifying it's like and that's the thing is like <laughs> I, I remember you know we did a i was in a government class and we had to like come up with bills to you know pass or whatever and one i had was i had just moved to indiana and i was like the first thing i saw driving into this state was an advertisement for an adult video store and i was like that does not make indiana look Classic. good right um you saw you, know, you saw firework billboards and adult video stores. Mm-hmm. Well, and and one of the things that's a bit unfortunate is at the local level, I'm sure everyone that's listening to this show knows exactly what you're talking mm-hmm. about. And they don't even live where you do. Yeah. But that's just what's taking up local advertising space right now. And I want that to change. I agree with you, man. I, I, yeah. I think it's, I think it's. On, in, the, in this modern era, I think it's increasingly on us to do the things that we want to see. Um, you know, we can't complain about Netflix and Amazon making all these crappy specials anymore. Um, sure. It's time to start supporting people who are making the things that you want, making the things that you mm-hmm. like, and are adding value to your actual environment. Like, it's, I think it's really, really important. Totally. Yeah. And... And that's not necessarily to to go and and slight these streaming services because to help get the local level to where it is today, they played such a huge part in helping to differentiate themselves from the studio system and be able to have more specialized content made that a normal studio never would. Um, And and that's huge. And while I think that we're starting to move a little bit past it, um, they played such a huge role in helping our culture get to where it is today. It's true. And, you know, yeah. the fact that I can sit in a studio in my basement and talk to a guy in Pennsylvania who has a billboard guy, by the way, um, <laughs> and then just turn it into content <laughs> and put it out for the entire world to see, that's crazy. We didn't have that 10 years ago. I mean, I know I told you I'm, I'm into voice acting now. I do VO. Yeah. I don't have to go to a studio for that. I send an audition tape. I, I make the audition in, you know, five minutes send it mm-hmm. out and just wait for the jobs. It's, it's totally, totally awesome. Um, and you know, here, here, another thing that's coming up, I, I guess I should mention this to the listeners. I, I just got a, I just got a job that's work from home. So I'll have more time in front of the screen to work on 
all this stuff that I like doing because again for <laughs> for the listeners who have been with us they know my goal is to is to be free <laughs> um totally. and this podcast is one aspect of that um but yeah you know I see I see media in the modern world changing very drastically mainly because of the free flow of information um we didn't have this before. Like my dad said to me the other day, he's like, you know, we only had two channels on the television when I was growing up, if we were lucky. And, you know, they turned off the broadcast at 10 PM and that was it. You couldn't watch any more television. I'm like, jeez. Mm-hmm. Um, but now he's like, he's like, you can find just about anything you want to watch or listen to. And it's right there. Usually well-produced. Um, totally. And I think people are exploring the limits of what they find entertaining. I mean, we live in a, Oh man. Yeah. I took a I took a picture of a quote from a book I was reading because it was one of the funniest things I'd ever heard. Um it, I wish I could remember it exactly, but it was like the uh the um electricity fueled uh clown machine of the modern media. Something like that. And <laughs> I I took yeah. a picture cuz I'm like that's exactly what it's like. <laughs> But, you know, I think people are going to get, I think people are quickly getting bored with um, the stories, which is why I think they have to have a new outrage every single day now, um, mm. because there's still, there's still a, a mass that's following, you know, the mainstream, but they're losing people faster than I think they expected to. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I, you know, I watch, participate in, and um, enjoy mainstream media as much as the next person. I mean, I'm not going to lie. I've been really, uh, really on it with watching this Johnny Depp and Amber Heard trial, <laughs> probably more than I'd care to admit. Um, but there's something about a cultural unifier that is important, um, and on a very different, much more sad level, that even large tragedies, things like what happened at the elementary school in Texas yesterday, or things like 9-11 do to bring people together. Um, and And the mainstream media is a lot of times uh, a big thing with that like the number of people i know that are pumped and ready for stranger things season four to come out in a few weeks mm-hmm. um huge right and i know that that's going to be a huge talking point with a lot of my family members with a lot of my friends um uh, in most of the times that i see them next yeah well i mean where i work people are think i'm weird for not watching stranger things um, they think I'm weird for not having a Netflix and rightfully so I'm not like them. Yeah. Um, yeah. But uh, hold on a second. I got a notification. Okay, cool. Go well, for I'm it. Good. Um, my other meeting's not for another hour, so I don't know why it's bothering me now. Um, <laughs> yeah, no. So I, I have more of a, I have more of a rebellious attitude toward the mainstream media. I see it as like a, as a menace to society. Um, mm. but that's because I'm a huge cynic about a lot of things. Um, which is ironic because I'm also like one of the most magical thinking person I know, like people I know. I'm like, <laughs> oh, you know, you just align your chakras, Ben, and you'll get everything will sort itself out. And, you know, I recently got into like, uh, I called it uh, brain trainment, which was, I basically was like, well, if MK Ultra works for the bad guys, it can certainly work for the good guys, right? Is it possible? Sure. Is it, sure. Is it possible that I could brainwash myself into being a happier, more like scrappy person? And it, I think it actually yeah. worked because I was just focusing yeah. on it. Yeah. I mean, both sides of every army in a war are putting out their own propaganda. That's right. Only one wins. That's right. That's right. That's right. <laughs> um, and that's why I, I, my motto is positive vibes only. 
is <laughs> because totally what you what you are what you eat when it comes to media, and I think a lot of the mainstream. I mean, for, dude, for for years it was like we got thirteen reasons why. Mm-hmm. Just I mean, depressing, ugly stuff. Um, and only now are we coming around the corner where people just have had it. Like I know for me, I'm like. If yeah. it makes me feel sad, I want nothing to do with it. I don't listen to sad songs, um, even if they're really good. Um, and it's not because, oh, Aaron, you need to stay informed and you're sheltering yourself from the outside world. I'm like, most of it's bullshit anyway. Um, mm-hmm. So if I'm going to pick bullshit, um, I'm going to choose the stuff that makes me smile. <laughs> yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, yeah, there's totally, totally. And it, it comes down to there being enough content that you want to see and that you're interested in, in partaking in. Right. Um, one last thing with, with larger media companies that I, um, enjoy keeping up with is knowing kind of this cultural philosophy. Mm. Right. And, and you can see when a lot of major media companies are putting out criticism and, and genuine well thought out criticism of the current world and the current, you know, way that people are treating each other. I mean, you can generally see that a shift is going to happen and happen pretty soon. Hmm. In what way? Um, Well, the biggest thing that I can think of right now is the existence of the show Euphoria. Um, It's been on my mind a lot. Um, Just in what it's saying, how it's portraying the world, and how many people are watching it, and they're like, yeah, this is wild. Like, it's based somewhat in reality, an extreme version of it, Um, but this is kind of what the world is like today. And the show, I think, is portraying it in a negative way. Mm. And the fact that this is now a huge cultural force to watch and keep up with, while knowing that it's reflecting the world that we do live Mm -hmm. in. It's wild. No, right? euphoria, and euphoria, that is that is, about, what is that about? It's about growing up as a high schooler uh, in today's day and world and interpersonal relationships. In my mind, it's the exemplification of individualism taken to its absolute extremes. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's very much so commenting on individualism. Mm-hmm. But as the pendulum starts to swing in the opposite direction, like it often does politically as well. um, The next natural phase is to adopt a local lifestyle, Hmm. start caring more about those that are around you and start having a slightly more uh, diversified group mentality. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, And so I have seen that coming for a while now and (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> the mere existence of euphoria really kicked me into uh, work overdrive saying, all right, more and more people are noticing this. More people are making commentary on this. I need to get this started and I need to get this rolling." Right on. You check the mainstream yeah. media like you check the weather. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. And, and it's not necessarily to say, oh, this is fantastic. This is great. It's like, what's underlying here that they are saying that's predictive of the way that culture is going to go next mm-hmm. or the way that they think culture is going now. Yeah. You're reminding me of Marshall yeah. McLuhan. The medium is the message. A hundred percent. And we take that at steel pixel studios to the furthest extreme possible. Right. We understand. And, and maybe even a little bit further than what he initially had com- uh, commented on or meant it as, but on the arts podcast, we know that we're talking with a lot of visual artists, right? Mm-hmm. 
it makes no sense to have a, a podcast that focuses on a visual medium that's auditory only. Like, it's so backwards of what he's saying, right? But our secondary goal with that is arts accessibility and understanding that there are individuals that are sight impaired and vision impaired. Um, and so we go out of our way to talk about audio description, right? And audio description as it pertains to art and are trying to become huge advocates in the area for museums to have um, audio description of the pieces that they have there, right? So we're taking this auditory medium and we are saying, why would we purely work in a visual medium or try and force our listeners to work in a visual medium when they never can? Because it's a podcast. It's not a video. Right. <laughs> See? Right. So so we're, we're working to really analyze what we're in how we're doing it and how we can push that to its max. Man. And we do the same thing with web three as well. Like that's a huge part of our web three marketing is to say, well, why would we do this this way? Like that's, that's not utilizing this technology to the best, right? Mm -hmm. If you're making an animated short or an animated uh, web series, I personally love, you know, photorealism as much as the next person, but cameras exist now. Mm-hmm. I don't, I don't need to see a very well-drawn picture of a person. I'd rather see somebody's interpretation and experimentation on what that person looks like in a way that I can't see in real life, right? Maximize what it means to be an illustration. Maximize what it means to be an animation. Show me something that I can't get any other way. Yeah, I think I, what I like about how you think um, is you see the future a little bit, and instead of like being like, I don't like it, or, you know, I... I <laughs> I hate the mainstream media like me. You're like, <laughs> where's the opportunity? Where's the good? Where's, where's totally. the win for me in here? Um, the win for us, for, for my town, you know, that sort of thing. Totally. And totally. I think we're past the navel gazing part of this phase that the culture's going through where we're like, oh, how are we bad? Are, we're bad in all the ways, you know, they list all the things that are bad about you and your city and, you know, your life <laughs> and, and your age and your, you know, your generation and. It's like, sure. here's all the bad things that you did in the past. Don't forget. I think we're getting bored of that. And I think it's getting mo monotonous. Um, yeah. And I think you're right to say that the next phase is coming out of that. And I would say certainly on a, you know, because I, not to get all weird, but I, I believe the universe is fractal um, mm -hmm. and that an individual um, who fixes themselves is a microcosm of the macrocosm, which is to say lots of people mm -hmm. fixing themselves. And I think the yeah. cultural tr trend toward um, healing and uh, sort of like positivity is it's I mean, it's it's I think they're trying to they I think if uh, whoever's pulling the strings, if even if they tried to tamp it down, it's not going to work because people are just not having it anymore. And I know for me, that mm -hmm. was like there was de a definite breaking point where I was like, I am not going to take this. I yeah. don't, I don't, I'm, totally. I'm not going to accept being depressed. I'm not going to accept being anxious all the time. I'm going to take this mm -hmm. on and, you know, a list of solutions to this problem, you know, would come up in my head and I'd be all the reasons why I should just give up, like just came into my head and I got used to saying, mm -hmm. no, I don't, I've seen, I've seen it. I've seen it. I've seen those reasons and they're not acceptable. Um, mm -hmm. I'm going to find a way out of this. And if it's positive vibes only, it's positive vibes only. And, you know, I just look at the, the broader culture and how people are, are, you know, we're dealing with a drug epidemic, we're dealing with health problems, obesity problems, 
I think we're yeah. going to get to a point where all the solutions that are proffered to us that don't work, we're going to say those don't work and we're going to find mm-hmm. out what works. Totally. That's, that's another huge benefit from thinking at the local level through all of the podcasts that we did, right? When we started a food podcast, when we started an arts podcast, when we started a small business podcast, right? Our, our goal is to talk about those areas. But by having more and more of these conversations, we're starting to see through threads about our community, right? We hear these artists saying, I want more people to come and see my work. Um, a little bit more context to this. The Lehigh Valley is made up of three um, major areas, which is Allentown, Bethlehem, where Bethlehem Steel is located, that uh, huge, massive company that really helped the United States um, with construction of their their items for World War II, um, and, uh, and Allentown, which, um, Bruce Springsteen has a song named Allentown, <laughs> <laughs> right? So we have these three areas and within the Lehigh Valley, um, a lot of people see themselves as separate from that, right? So they're like, oh, I live in Allentown and I, you know, I grew up in Allentown and that's true. Um, but we are so close in proximity to one another that the Lehigh Valley itself is this larger cultural hub. Like there are smaller microcosms and, and, and other things like that inside of these smaller areas, but we want people to see this area as a whole, right? Um, and in talking with these artists and in talking with these restaurant owners and business owners, they're like, oh, I want more people, right? And then we realize that the public transportation here is garbage. So yeah, they want more people, because right now they're only getting Allentown people. They're only getting Bethlehem people or they're only getting Allentown people. Mm. Right. But by adding public transportation, we're letting more people that are now uh, at a financially accessible level able to go out. Right. They're able to go to these new parts of the cities and you can now live in Allentown and safely not now, but, with an upgraded public transportation system, you can now for like a dollar fifty to get on a bus, right? Mm-hmm. Decide you want to go drinking in Easton and not have to worry about driving home, right? So you can you can bring all of these audiences of all of these people across all three cities to help support each other economically by just upgrading the public transportation and we never would have even been thinking about public transportation or advocating for public transportation without thinking at this local level and seeing the through threads that connect all of these different kinds of people. Yeah. And I think what I, again, what I like about the way you approach these things is you're not expecting a loss, right? You're like this, this could work. Why wouldn't this work? You know, totally. I think what I also like is that you, Definitely, uh, I'm coming around personally to, we're going to have to do it ourselves. Like the, the, the mm-hmm. bureaucracy is too bad. You know, the, the, uh, you know, we can whine all day about the president and the, and the governor and all that stuff. And it's like, you know, but what if our area didn't suck? You know, he can make it, he mm-hmm. can make it hard, but what if we, what if we just found a way to make it not suck here? Mm-hmm. Um, and if, what's he going to do? Roll in in his limousine and set fire to a building? I don't think so. You know, yeah. and it's like, I, th- I think that's the, the revolutionary nature of the internet is like, pe- people are like, oh, wow, it doesn't, it doesn't have to suck. They see things that are good. Yeah. So why couldn't we make it suck less here? And I, I totally think as we start collectively 
to move out of this hyper-individualist mentality that we're going to see that happening more and more. Right now, with this hyper-individualist mentality, we see we don't like it here. We're moving, Mm -hmm. right? It's all about the self, which has an importance, especially when it comes to working on yourself as a person and knowing what your limits are, Mm -hmm. right? If it's too hard to live in an area mentally and it's causing you extreme depression, anxiety, etc., yeah, by all means, do do what you need to do to be able to uh, to become the best version of yourself that you can. But if you, you know, are just like, eh, I don't like this here. This is whatever, you know, I want to find somewhere better. If everybody decides to stay and everyone decides to do their part to make it mm-hmm. better, it's going to happen. But we need to collectively work on our mentality of allowing that to happen yes. and not making it the trend to leave and making the sole lone hero that decides to return to where they're from in order to make the culture better. Right. Like the fact that we have to get to that where we're praising one person for doing yeah. that. Right. That That's a problem. That's it should be expected as a community member that that's what you're doing. Yeah. That's a really good way of saying that. Um, yeah. You're not outsource. You're no longer outsourcing your your ability to be your whole self. Um, mm-hmm. Like I, it's interesting. I, one of the things that I definitely realized when I ran away and moved to Austin was that, yeah. oh dear, I brought myself with me. It was mm-hmm. like, okay, so the problem wasn't the locality. Like, yeah, I didn't like the snow. I don't like how flat it is around here. I think the architecture is just disgusting. Um, but I realized that it's the, the source of my my troubles, so to speak, was within myself. Mm-hmm. And when I decided that I was going to like no holds barred, I'm going to beat this thing and get, get better and, you know, become a better person. Sure. It came because there was nothing else I could do. It was like uh, people, you know, crying on Twitter about something that, you know, whatever president in office said, it's like, it doesn't matter. What does it do? What is that doing to you? And I think that's the main thing that I've just, I've just noticed about mainstream media as a whole and media local media and podcasting and all this good stuff Mm -hmm. like it's it's not about what it's saying it's not about how it how it tells the story it's not about the shots it's about what it does to you as a viewer the product you're you know media you're the product right what Mm -hmm. if what you consume makes you a, a worse sadder angrier less productive person you should probably stop doing that Mm-hmm. Um, that's the, that's the ultimate thing about film criticism that, you know, why film criticism ultimately feels useless now is it's like people go, ah, oh, the shots were good and the editing was tight and the music was just amazing. It's like, but what did the movie do to the person? It's like, okay, so mm-hmm. here's a controversial joke I make. <laughs> oh boy. <laughs> I freaking love Mormonism. Okay. Why? Because it produces really happy, really productive, and really just with it people. Do I believe Mormonism is true? No. <laughs> okay, do I, I, have a, I have a chip on my shoulder for mainstream evangelicalism. Why? Because it produces a lot of dopey, happy, clappy people who don't really look inside themselves or really meditate on what, what it is that they mm-hmm. believe. Um, mm-hmm. But... I don't have a problem with it. It's just I look at the two and I'm like, the product is the people, okay? Mm-hmm. The people and the evangelical 
uh, class are less, you know, I don't know how to put this exactly, but it doesn't feel like they're doing their best right now. Um, Mm -hmm. And the people in, you know, the Mormon section of thing, yeah, well, you can complain about how Joseph Smith was a crazy person, but look what it produces. And then some people, you know, oh, but what about the FLDS? I'm like, well, obviously there's always exceptions, but on the whole, like Salt Lake City is awesome. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So it's like, okay, so you, you pick, it's like that line from that movie Hero. Did you ever see that with Dustin Hoffman? Oh, I think so. Yeah. yeah. So at the end of the movie, he's talking to his son and he says, life is just one stack of bullshit on top of another. And at a certain point <laughs> in your life, you pick a layer of bullshit and that's your bullshit. Yep. And it's yep. the same thing I learned when I was you know, switching between Final Cut Pro and Premiere. It's like, which problems do you want to deal with? <laughs> right. Yeah, I am a happier. Totally. I am a happier person using Adobe Premiere than I am in Final Cut. Final Cut can do some things that Adobe Premiere can't do. Mm-hmm. but I'm happier using Premiere. So I'm going to use Premiere. Totally. Right? So, totally. yeah, I don't know. That was, I guess that is a tiny bit controversial, but it's not fun if it's not a little controversial, right? Yeah, I I mean, I, I think what it comes down to is conversing with those that have different beliefs than you and who think differently from you can provide generally positive things. I'm going to wait for this huge ass truck. <laughs> No problem. It's like booming the bass in my ears. <laughs> it's the only part of our studio that actually gets through from the road is the bass rumble from 18 reelers. <laughs> kind of hard to avoid. I have black helicopters flying over my house. So I. Very oh, <laughs> nice. <laughs> Anyways, as I was saying, um, yeah, I think the biggest thing there is engaging um, at a deeper level. Yes with those who believe differently than you, with those who think differently than you, and generally just those that are different from Mm -hmm. you. Um, In today's day day and age, there's a huge focus on those that look different from you. Um, But ethnicity is is the real real draw Mm -hmm. there, right? Um, It's not just the way that someone looks, but it's the way that you look. It's the way that you grew up. It's um, the culture that you grew up in. And... um, ethnicity plays a huge role in that so surrounding yourselves with people from other cultures is huge yeah and i I find that the most interesting people in my life are the ones who have really strong beliefs it's like Mm -hmm. hey man i may not believe what you believe but i respect how much you how seriously you take this um like you you want to you want to find a solution to a problem or you believe in something that i don't really believe in or you care about something i don't care about but if you care about it passionately and you really do believe it I have respect for that, uh, like, Mm -hmm. on its own. Um, Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's slightly adjacent to the conversation, but um, one of my biggest inspirations from history is Lincoln, mm -hmm. right? And not for a lot of the reasons that people typically attribute to Lincoln being uh, the wizard Lincoln. (laughs) 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 Um, But he had a list of 10 things that he as a person wanted um, attributed to himself, right? Like be better. And these 10, 10 attributes that he knew if he ever reached them, it's essentially impossible. He'll never be able to complete all 10, but he knew that he wanted to constantly be working toward that until the day that he died. Mm -hmm. Right. And he had these goals set out for himself that, 
he knew if he was always actively working on them that he would be a better person. I love that. Yeah. yeah. I mean, and that, uh, that is a little bit of wizardry there, a little bit. Because, I mean, <laughs> essentially he was programming his, his subconscious to direct itself toward things that would lead to that end. Totally. Um, so, totally. yeah, no, it's like, <laughs> I I hope I didn't come off as too disparaging of Lincoln on the show. But, like, and I'm not. <laughs> no, uh, I, I loved okay. it. I loved it. And it, it helped me think more about, like, oh, you know most portrayals of Lincoln in today's day and age are extremely good, but like history shows over and over again, the good and the bad both exist simultaneously and the winner is the one that writes it. Right. And well, what I was, what I would say also is like, we, we do, people tend to do this like actually thing where they're like, oh, actually this guy was bad for this reason. And it's like, okay, well, that's fine. Everybody sins. It's not, not good. Not a good thing to do. Right. Um, what can you learn? Like, I feel like with every situation, every person, every character we've ever covered on the show, um, you can always learn something from them. Whether they were totally. the biggest screw up in history, they can teach you something. And I think that's the, that's the, uh, the difference in the spirit of today versus the spirit of say, even five years ago, the, the spirit mm -hmm. that's fading is the one that basically is always looking for the bad in something. And the spirit that's rising is always looking for the good in something. And it's a, it's a simple reframe. It's like, oh, my job is like, okay, for example, at, at my current job, you know, it's difficult. It's cold. I have to unload heavy boxes from trailers and stuff. It's not pleasant. It's a food processing plant. So, you know, you're getting disgusting spills all over the place. Like, it is not fun. And I could go there and I could be like, ah, it's cold and I don't like it and all that stuff. Instead, I reframed it to, I'm growing stronger. This is making me stronger. This is a challenge. Yeah. You know, you, you yeah. wouldn't put yourself through this if you didn't have to, you know. And so then I'm sort of mm -hmm. grateful in that moment for the lessons that I'm learning there. And so it's sort of like always finding the good, always finding the, the gold nugget there in that pile of, you know, stones. It's always there. Oh, totally. 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 Um, another huge inspiration for this local level and to, to promote independent content is John Cassavetes. Um, he worked within the studio system, right, um, frequently through cinema history for the purpose of getting enough money to work on his own personal projects and continuing to bring notoriety to what he was doing independently. Right. Mm. And he was frequently making these movies that to this day are incredibly divisive and controversial. Um, um, and they're, they're amazing. Uh, his works often piss me off, but not for the reasons that most, most things would piss people off. It's because I find myself thinking so similarly to him that the small decisions that he made differently than what I would I can't get out of my head. It's like, oh, I would have shot that scene two feet over. And because you were so close to the way that I would have shot it, it is pissing me <laughs> off beyond belief. <laughs> yeah, we, we get pissed um, off when people were a yeah. lot alike, you know? Yeah, exactly. And I can I can watch something by someone like Kubrick, but I never think like Kubrick, mm -hmm. right? I, I think his, his commentary on a lot of things are, are generally helpful. Um, and even in his negative portrayals, I think there's a lot to be gleaned from it. Um, 
and especially the works that he did most of his films based on, like uh, like the the books and readings and literature, etc. Um, so much there, but his style and the way that he thinks, at least in a visual format or, or in an audio format, is so differently than me that I can have an easier time gleaning it myself. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, John Cassavetes is a huge inspiration there locally and in film school, um, watched a number of his films and shout out Maverick Moore. He, uh, <laughs> he had us do a, a project in our directing class uh, of, um, everybody was given a different director. We had to watch a ton of their films, um, and then do a write up and full on lecture based presentation on them. And, um, I'm blanking on who did it right now, but when we were learning about Cassavetes and the individual that had Cassavetes went, I'm like, Oh my gosh, like that is so many of the same things that I feel and believe myself about culture and independent media, et cetera. Right. Um, I had Kurosawa in that class. I think he did a lot for his own local culture as well, but I think it was easier in his case to do because Japan is much smaller than the United States. It's very true. (laughs) It's very true. Yeah. Um, man, I haven't thought about Kurosawa in a while. Hmm. (laughs) <laughs> there's a lot of good stuff there oh, as well sure. yeah <laughs> oh my goodness well look we've yeah. almost filled an hour so i want to round this out with uh with just sort of like a, a some closing thoughts on this forecast for the future in independent media um how yeah. do you feel about the coming years what do you what do you predict and what do you see on the horizon for independent media makers podcasters etc mm. i see a lot of stuff that by traditional media standards is going to be very mediocre, but it's going to pop off like nothing else because a lot of people are going to connect with it and connect with the underlying messages. As you see that, please, please continue to support it because they cannot get better without it. Yep. That's exactly (laughs) right. Yeah. Um, Local filmmakers are kind of known throughout the industry for not being up to par with their general um, general filmmaking skills. And unless they have the support behind them, they never will. So support them. Yes. Help them get better. Talk with people. Talk with the local media makers around you about what you're interested in, ideas that you have. Um, yeah, support them, support each other, and think about where you live and what you want to see it become. Yeah, that's beautiful, man. I. And I just, my closing spiel here, um, I think, I think you're so right. It's, it really is about supporting these people as they're beginning to find their feet and yeah, they're going to produce some, some not so great stuff at first, but if you can see the glimmer of authenticity and what they're doing, that is the key. And I think as far as what I see in the future is authenticity is going to be an extremely, I mean, it is already, but it's going to be an even rarer resource that everybody's going to want. Um, totally. I mean, there, there are totally. people who literally have thousands of people watching them at their factory job, <laughs> mm-hmm. just doing yeah. stuff on TikTok. And totally. I don't, I don't think that's like a bad thing. I think that people are learning. Um, we're connecting yeah. with stuff we never thought we'd see. And uh, it's important to support these ordinary small time, you know, creators because we want them to bring in the future if you're if you're tired of the studio system or you're tired of 
um, getting nine shows on Netflix that you don't want to watch and one that you do, try to find that, 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 uh, try to find somebody small and give them a little boost that you like. Mm -hmm. Uh, I do it. Ben does it. I mean, everybody I know who's, who's into this independent media scene, we understand the importance of doing this. Um, Mm -hmm. but yeah, I, I, I see a a very, very bright future, um, for the, for the little guys right now. Totally. Um, and, and when it comes to that improving, I mean, we've, we've joked around about this before, but go back and listen to the first episode where we talk about dead people <laughs> or, or don't actually, uh, it's definitely not the yeah, best one, please don't. Um, it's trash. but, <laughs> but w- without the support and listenership and that drive to continue to think in a way that's independent, um, and, and thinking about the community around you and what you want to portray. Um, you can never get to the spot that this show is today. Yeah. You can never get to the point where we're now talking, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> With people all over the place, like fire department heads and, and stuff like that, which is just incredible, right? To, to understand that even if it may be off topic or seemingly off topic, it connects to the greater history and there's so much that can be learned with it. I think that's that's well said, my friend. And on that note, uh, I think you Thank should you. I think you should shill for all your stuff right now. <laughs> oh man, dude! Thank you so much for having me on. It was a blast. Yeah, we'll do it again. I I've I've for surely sure. enjoyed this. Um, we're gonna do more interviews in the future. It's just too much fun. Oh yeah, yeah. but drop your drop your links, drop your stuff, man. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So you can follow me on Instagram at, at Benjamin David or um, I haven't posted in a while. The last thing I posted was um, a couple tribute photographs that I had taken for um, the Ukrainian people. Um, but you can follow Steel Pixel at let me actually pull this up because we recently switched from what we used to have to something new. Uh, you can follow us on Instagram for Steel Pixel Studios at Steel Pixel Studios, and that's S T E E L because we are uh, based on New Street in Bethlehem, and Bethlehem Steel's right down the street. Nice. <laughs> um, our website is um, SteelPixelStudios.com. Um, if you're in the area or even not, uh, we're starting to move outside of our area as well, and you're looking for real estate photography and videography. Reach out to us. Um, you can go to newstreetdigitalmarketing.com um, and keep your eyes on the social social medias for uh, Steel Pixel for upcoming spinoffs with that. Um, on a week-to-week basis, you can check out our podcast, Hi There with Dylan and Allie, um, the Lehigh Valley Arts podcast, the Lehigh Valley Food podcast. Um, Sorry, there's so many shows that I can promote (laughs) right now, and I don't even know where I want to go next. Um, If you're interested in in financial advice, you can listen to Equity Granted and Executive Chat talking about a bunch of stuff in the financial scene today and best ways to invest your money um, and other things like that, like job progression and working within within a larger corporation. Fascinating stuff um, for thinking independently in a, in a group think mentality. Um, yeah, there's, there's, there's a bunch of stuff out there. If you follow me on Instagram, I have a link tree in my bio. You can click it and it's a much, much clearer and condensed and uh, easier way to track with everything. That well, I'll doing. definitely put that in the episode <laughs> description. You're a busy guy, dude. Awesome. 
I, I try. Yeah. Well, it's appreciated <laughs> that you come on to share some wisdom with us and tell your story a little bit. Um, I really enjoyed it. Um, so yeah, everybody should follow him who still does the social media, not yeah. like me, the Amish digital podcaster. <laughs> um, uh, and Aaron, thank you so much for this show. I've loved it. Um, been with you guys for, for a while now. Uh, love listening to it and all the way back to the fake episodes with you and Zach. <laughs> oh, so good. So good. Yeah, well, it's been a wash tech. Oh man. It's been a wild ride the lots, whole way, but like stuff. there's been a few cheerleaders who have just kind of popped in every now and then to provide support and you're one of them. So just glad we can do you a good turn. So. All right, everybody, we've got another episode written and ready to launch. And we're going to be doing that hopefully this week. And uh, with that, I'll close us out and let the sounds of Steel Pixel Productions or Steel Pixel Studios, I'm sorry, play you out. Mm-hmm.